0: Welcome back, everybody, to a- another episode of Clubhouse Talk. Joe, we've been doing this for just about a year now, and, you know, when we started this last year, we got our very first episode was we got to talk about the Masters coming back, we got to talk about Freddie Freeman winning an MVP, and that was a pretty fun one. That was a pretty special one, um, and we've had a few highlights here and there between now and then, but... uh This one might might take the icing on the on the cake here because we get to celebrate the Atlanta Braves are your 2021 World Series champions. We did it! Damn it, we did it! I mean,
1: (laughs) I guess to gauge our age, Kylie and I weren't even a thought when the Braves last won a World Series, and uh, we've both been (laughs) Braves fans our whole lives. You know, big followers of baseball and all sports really. And, you know, for me personally, that Kylie might differ his UT ties, but the Atlanta Braves are my favorite professional or college team because, you know, I didn't go to a school of football. It's my hometown team. And it's just, it was unbelievable to watch that. I'm still kind of in shock.
0: It, it hasn't set in for me. I, I still don't think it has. I, I, every time I see something come across by Twitter, my Twitter feed of some highlight video. I sit there, I watch it. I'm, I'm liking stuff all the time. I'm sure everybody that follows me on Twitter is sick and tired of seeing all, all the stuff that I like and retweet on there. And, um, but yeah, it's just, uh, it's really wild to think about how this whole season came together, um, from, where they were at the beginning of the year, I, I mean, we certainly thought a World Series was possible. We couldn't say for sure the Braves are going to win it, but we, we could definitely say at the beginning of the year in March this was more than a possible outcome. But just where the team was in, in April and May, you lose Acuna um, right before the All-Star break, uh, the, the moves that they had to make at the deadline, how those moves paid off. And then, I mean, for God's sakes, his team didn't get over 500 until August. Um. Yeah. And and then they win the division the last week of the season. They roll into the playoffs, and then I mean I don't want to say they steamrolled everybody in the playoffs, but they were they proved for every single series that they were another notch above every team that they played. It didn't matter who they were playing. The test got tougher each time, and they were up to the test each time.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean they they were against a good Brewers team. I wouldn't say it was a phenomenal baseball team, but certainly not a not a pushover. They handled that series pretty well. And then you go up against the Dodgers, who are the defending World Series champions, who had, you know, a few injuries of their own like us, but still a very talented roster. And then you go up against Houston, that uh, just absolutely beat the brakes off, or, I mean, not beat the ba- brakes off, but scored like 1,000 runs against the Red Sox. And with you know, the whole regular season, mainly pitching being our issue, that was definitely not a matchup that looked like it was going to fit very well. And we managed to pretty much hold them offensively in check for the most part, except for
0: game five, they really never tore us up. I mean, they held everybody in the postseason down offensively, aside from they had the one blow up game against the Dodgers um, game three out in LA. And then the one, uh, the one game against the Astros there, I guess it was game two. Really outside of those two games – or no, game Game five. Outside of those two games, they held every team in check. And, you know, at first it was kind of like when they went through the Brewers series, a lot of the talk was, well, the Brewers don't have that great of a lineup. Um, their pitching was their strong suit. The Braves pitching did did well. It held them down, and they they won the series. Then you go to the Dodgers, and then it was like, well, the Dodgers – Lost Max Muncy, and they lost Justin Turner in the series, and and their bats just weren't there at the end of the year. And then you go up, and you're facing a red hot Astros team that was averaging like eight runs a game in the postseason, um, between their first two rounds of White Sox and Red Sox, and they held them down. I, I mean, at some point now, I think you've got to look back on it and be like, no, the Braves pitching was just that freaking good.
1: Yeah, I mean they. That was the best pitching performance that I can remember in my lifetime from the Braves. I mean, bullpen-wise, minus a few hiccups, I mean, from start to finish, they were completely in control of that, <laughs> that whole aspect of the game.
0: I've This reminded me a lot of the 2015 Royals team, where it was like, if you got to the sixth inning with the lead, the game was over. I mean, you gave it to that bullpen and you knew you were going to get Minter, Matzik, Jackson, Smith, um, the first three in different order, especially uh, Minter, or especially Matzik and Jackson. But you knew that if you were down going against those four people, you had a really, really uh, tall climb ahead of you to try and get back in the game. Um, Will Smith didn't give up a single run the entire postseason for all the for all the heartache and all the heart attacks that he gave every fan the entire season. Um, the guy absolutely stoned up and earned every bit of his $13 million this postseason. Just that postseason alone, a hundred percent earned his contract for the year. Yes.
1: I absolutely. Won't even dispute it. I mean, he was, he was phenomenal. I mean, I, I, we talked about it throughout the whole season. It's like, is this a guy who you trust with the ball in the hand? And he was, he was unflappable. I mean, he <laughs> he didn't get any, give up any meaningful hits or any meaningful rallies, like you said, was just completely stone cold up there, and was phenomenal. Um, you know, Minter had one bad outing the whole off season. Um, Matic same one bad outing. It wasn't even
0: that bad, and they the weren't even that just...
1: bad. I mean, it was just yeah. they, they got hit. And oh,
0: boohoo, they got. And even when it was, it typically wasn't pretty hard. It really wasn't a hard contact. It was a lot of. A lot of soft contact that that got through, which really was um, the detriment to Max Fried in Game Two of the World Series was another one where it's just soft contact and and balls getting through the infield at, at the wrong spot where they were you know where they weren't shifted. So for the most part, it was they really didn't get hit hard, and nobody was nobody was putting together those long sustaining rallies. The Braves continued to bash homers throughout the postseason, which I think if you start looking at it. Um, as much as it's really a, a feast or famine type offense, it's not a bad way to build an offense for a postseason because you're facing the best pitching possible, and it's just really hard to get sustained rallies of singles and doubles and doubles to try and drive in runs where, okay, you get one walk and one mistake, and then you've got a two-run lead. So it's not a bad way to look at it, and it, it proved to be a really big thing in the World Series. They out-homered the Astros, I think, 9-2 to two in the six games. Um, mm-hmm. you could you could clearly tell the difference in it of, of just the momentum the home runs had and just how how they helped uh, build the Braves leads every single game yeah
1: and that was kind of the Braves mantra all season and when they weren't hitting the homers they weren't winning games and they they were pretty much all off or all postseason were were able to hit some pretty big timely shots I mean NLDS, game three, Jock hits a rocket. Uh, NLCS, Jock hit, you know, hit a rocket to get back in it. Rosario hits another home run. A uh, couple pretty big, meaningful ones there. And then you know you get in the World Series, Swanson, Slayer back-to-back home runs. Um, I mean, first at bat of the World Series, Slayer hits a home run. Uh, third inning, game six, Slayer hits a three-run home run.
0: Duval Grand Slam. Duval I mean, Grand I know we lost lost the game, but that was still a big moment. I mean, it was just things like that, and they came up with those timely hits time after time again. You really didn't see the Braves squander a lot of those rally, a lot of those scoring opportunities. Um, they did a really good job, and that's how you win in the postseason. Is you've got to take advantage of those few opportunities that you're going to get against good pitching. Um, and a lot of people discounted the Braves because of their win total. They were an 88 win team which on paper is not a lot. We said at the beginning of the year that the NL East was going to beat up on each other. I don't think the NL East was just as bad as everybody looked at it. I think that you just had three extremely evenly matched teams with the Phillies, Braves, and Mets. And it led to them beating up on each other and losing, losing to each other, getting a lot of two out of three uh, game series, which is just going to pile up those losses throughout the year. They all dealt with injuries throughout the season. Um, but after the All-Star break, the Braves were on pace for 105 wins. From August 1st to the end of the season, it was a 105 pace win team, which nobody really realized. And then they, they thought it was such a huge upset when they beat the Dodgers. who Okay, they were a 106-win team. Braves were right on pace within the last two months of the season, and that's a pretty large sample size there to say that basically going into that, the Braves were the same talent, a talented team that they were.
1: Yeah, they they absolutely were. And and one of the things that irked me, and it didn't get, thank God, as much traction as I thought it was going to get, but the Dodgers injuries with, like, you know, Dustin May not being there, Max Muncie, Josh Turner, and, like, listening to that. And, like, the Braves had their injuries, too. You know, we were missing Mike Soroka the whole season. Ronald Acuna is, I would go to bat, a top five player in the MLB any day of the week.
0: Easily, if not the number one player.
1: Yeah, and, and in my opinion, those two guys alone are better than all three of those guys combined. <laughs> and, and so I was just – I was back. And they were around. Al
0: Soler that ended up being the World Series MVP. They didn't have him for the whole – They season.
1: didn't have him either. Yeah, exactly right. So put that to bed beforehand. But, yeah, that was just uh,
0: – Yeah, it was just absolutely – it was wild to see. I, I also don't know if I've ever seen a team get the uh, production out of a trade deadline. That the Braves got not not just the fact of that they gave up nothing for these players. I, I mean, they could have gone out and gotten a Trey Turner and Max Scherzer. And I don't know if they could have gotten any more impact from those guys than what they ended up getting from Solaire, Duvall, Peterson and Rosario. Every single one of those guys mattered come down the stretch. Every single one of those guys had a huge moment in the postseason. Rosario, NLCS MVP, Solaire, uh, World Series MVP. Duvall was, was huge in the World Series, and then you had Jock was, was – I mean, if there was an NLDS MVP, he would have been that and had some big moments in the LCS. I know he got cold late, but he did He did enough early on to carry them in, uh, into the position that they were later on.
1: Yeah, they all played a huge role. I mean, it, it really can't, couldn't be understated, like, how big those four guys were for the success of this team because I – I don't think we get to the, even the postseason without without them. First of no all, I, I don't think we, and say we did, I, we definitely don't get past the NLDS. Certainly not the NLCS. <laughs> and you know, even less, I think, in the World Series. But yeah, I mean, AA should have the stadium renamed after him, since Truce is a bad name anyway <laughs> for the park. Because that, and and you know, another cool moment. I was at the parade uh, this past Friday. And AA was one of the first guys to roll through, and everybody just went absolutely nuts. And, and normally front office guys for professional sports teams are just not incredibly well-liked. But I think everybody who's a Braves fan knows you know, what that guy put. I mean, he put his reputation and everything on the line to go and grab four guys that – I mean, Soler, when we picked him up, was not playing well for the Royals. He was batting under 200. And so that was a gamble. Rosario was injured. And then you know Jock, you kind of knew what you were getting with him. And then Adam Duval as well was a good pickup. But he really took a gamble on on buying when the teams below five hundred. Yeah, and I mean, it,
0: there it a lot of people chance. that wanted them. A lot of people wanted them, and and you know there would have been really pissed off fans and people wouldn't have liked it. But at the same time, you couldn't have fully blamed him if he gave up without your best player um, being back in the in the division like they were. If they had gone gone and traded Charlie Morton and a few other people and been like you know what this just isn't our year we're gonna play for next year um and really what it's done now is it's shown that this is we we've always said in baseball that it's hardly ever the team that has the best regular season that wins the postseason it's always that team that gets hot and it's it's that team and that can come from anywhere so it's it's always been the mantra get in the postseason see what happens think about all those times in the 90s that the braves were the best team going into the postseason Um, and how many times did they win the World Series? Once. They went to the World Series five freaking times and won only one time in a decade. Uh, It's not easy. It is really, really hard to do it, and that just puts it all the more special into this World Series because you look at that 95-1, and it was like the monkey off the back for that team. This team was one that no fan expected. Um, It it was just such a – such a steep climb there so late in the year uh, that this, the whole fan base, the whole city was rallying around this team in, in the crowds that they got in the fan support that they got in the postseason, was absolutely outstanding. Yeah, it was. It uh, actually was. <laughs> the battery was packed night overnight. Um, Truist park was filled up for every single game prices for tickets were out the yin yang. I, I mean, World Series tickets were a thousand dollars for standing room only. Just some of the stuff that you saw, I, there were one hundred and thirty thousand people there the day the Braves tried to clinch um, on that Sunday after on that Sunday night in Atlanta uh, within either in the stadium or in the battery like bar area surrounding the stadium. When the Braves were in Houston, they filled up the whole lower bowl of their of their stadium, about 20,000 seats doing a watch party. And even more in the battery again. Yeah. And then they filled up the battery on top of that and partied all night long. And then they had a massive parade, which they filled up almost the whole stadium for. Mm -hmm.
1: And I will say about the parade, there would have been more people in that stadium if the ballpark had managed it right because they had like four gates closed. I had tickets to get into the stadium and I couldn't get in. And there was about, yes, there's, it was just impossible. There's too many people. (laughs) you couldn't get through the gate i mean that that stadium i'm without a shadow of a doubt in my mind would have been at full capacity if they would have let people in earlier or did the presentation later wow yeah i mean absolute certain i mean it was insane it was like two hour long waits to get into bars it was i've never seen anything like that in my life but i digress
0: i I mean Atlanta fans have kind of always had that, that stereotypical attitude, of, especially back in the nineties when they got there so many times in the early two thousands, when you win 14 divisions, and Atlanta keeps getting stuck with day games for divisional games. Yeah. It kind of sucks in Atlanta to fight traffic, especially when that stadium was downtown. Um, but they've shown up and they've showed out and they've shown why they are one of the best fan bases in baseball and how much they will support a team. I cannot wait to see the money that this, that Liberty media makes off of this because they, they post being a public company, they have to post their quarterly earnings and they posted their quarterly earnings for for Q3. So July to uh, July to September, and they made $280 million. They don't pay the players in October because for a player's contract, it's just during the season. So October, um, they don't have to pay a player's salary. So they're netting all of that money that they were paying players throughout the year. And then they're going to get all of that revenue from every playoff game, all the parking passes, all the bar revenue around there that they had the deals with. It is going to merchandise. The Braves sold more merch in 30 minutes on fanatics.com than any team has ever sold for the World Series. (laughs) Like, in total, the Braves did it in 30 minutes on their website. Unbelievable. (laughs) It's just... It's insane the stuff that he did and all, all the different really, really cool stories. Obviously you've got, this is Freddie Freeman's contract year. He gets it done. Um, he gets his world series with the Braves. You've got Charlie Morton comes back to Atlanta where he started his career. He gets a world series with the Braves. Hank Heron passed away earlier this year. You win a world series year. He passes away. Um, it's just, you see a lot of, In baseball, every year you always see these cool stories. Um, Brian Sticker finally getting his World Series after being in the Braves for basically 50 years, Ron Washington finally getting a a ring. There's there's just so many amazing stories with this team, and it just makes the entire thing that much more special. Yeah, uh, they're
1: uh, back to that Hank Aaron point. Um, I don't know if you saw it, I'm sure you did, but. When Acuna got hurt, the Braves were 44 and 44. The Braves had won 44 games before the All-Star break, 44 games after the All-Star break, and then they won the World Series on the 44th week of the year. Not a big believer in coincidences. I mean, that, that, there's just something special in the air that um, on probably the most unlikely of seasons – that any team has in recent history has won a championship. I mean, that, that might've been it other than maybe Baltimore Ravens when Ray Lewis won his final season, but a completely different topic. Yeah. This, mean, just... this was a Braves team that we talked about throughout the duration of this, this summer and on this podcast, it's like, okay, like this might just not be a very good team. Like, it, <laughs> and then we get the all-star break and, and really the turning point was jock. It's like, you get the energy into the locker locker room. Like, okay. The front office didn't give up on us. They went out there and got a, a really high quality player, and and then you get followed by you know Rick, Rick, even Rich Rodriguez gave some good outings for a while there for the Braves, and then it was get huge. Duval, Rosario, um, Soler, and then you become an pretty much instant contender right after
0: that. Rich Rodriguez will not get the uh, the praise that. All all the other four deadline people got because obviously he wasn't on the post. He struggled down the end of the year. But he allowed that bullpen to become what it did because he came in there and he became that high leverage guy that would bounce around to different innings and let everybody else kind of fall into their place. Will Smith was the closer. Matzik was kind of your eighth inning guy. You had Jackson and Matzik go seventh and eighth, just depending upon matchups. You could bring Rich Rod in in any situation, whether it was the fifth, sixth, seventh, or eighth inning, it just for a high leverage. You're you've got two men on and one out type thing, and you're a guy, in there that he's going to go in there, throw strikes, and get you out of the inning. Um, it it just allowed everybody else to to fall into place, and by the time he faltered, the rest of the bullpen was clicking on on all cylinders, and they rode that through the postseason. Um, so he he won't get the credit publicly. But he deserves a, a lot of credit for what he did with Braves. And they're going to have him back. I'm pretty sure he's on, under contract um, going forward. So he, he's still going to be an important beast going forward for this team. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with every point you made. Um, Brian Snicker deserves extreme uh, credit for, you know, sticking to his game plan. He came into the postseason – trusting think about all season of how many times we wanted <laughs> sticker to get rid of Will Smith out of the closer role
1: um uh, mm-hmm. and how
0: many everybody else in Atlanta wanted Will Smith out of the closer role and he stuck with them the entire year and, and will Smith said it after the season like that that was really big for him that Brian continued to trust him and it let him be him and he found his way and it clicked for him at the end of the year or trusting in the postseason itself of hey every time you had that lead. Didn't matter if if you had Ian Anderson with five no hit innings, or you had Max Reed rolling in Game Six. I know the the lead was a little bit bigger, but it, and it was a little bit easier to go to your bullpen. But it was every single time he never he never questioned he would continue to go to those guys time after time, and they lived up to it and they answered the they answered the call every single time.
1: Yep, they absolutely did. I I think one of the other key pieces will be. You know in the loss in game five, how well he managed that game because he, he wasn't trying to chase it. You know, when it started to look like it was slipping away, it's like, all right, we're going to throw Drew Smiley in there and just let him eat three and a half innings, which then gives a rest to your big arms for game six when they had the opportunity to close out in Houston and you have a fresh bullpen in six and if they needed it in seven. So I thought that was a very veteran, intelligent move where he wasn't trying to force something that wasn't going to be there and just kind of let it unfold and, and kind of play chess a little bit he
0: was he was going to do the same thing in game four he said it um in a pregame before game five that if riley hadn't have, uh, had gotten the rbi single in the sixth that that cut it to two to one in that game he was going to put uh drew smiley in there in the seventh inning and then they get the rbi they put in jackson and then they go on to hit uh you have swanson and uh Solaire's homers in the in the sixth or in the go back to back in the seventh inning, and something else in in that game that I was at I was at that game, and earlier a couple of innings earlier they had a pinch hit opportunity and they had Orlando Arcia hit. I think it was in the fifth inning, and some of the fans around me were all sitting there just like, why is why is Orlando Arcia hitting pinch hitting here in the fifth inning? Why are you not having Solaire come up and hit? Nobody's on base. I think it was to lead off an inning, and. Sticker made the right call of, hey, this is why you have you leave Solaire for a more high leverage at bat, like either somebody's on base or it's later in the game, and so it paid off in that sense of they had Solaire's bat off, that to come after Swanson. So <laughs> it, it's just it's crazy to see how so many little decisions I and mean, and you can second guess everything in baseball, and it's it's really easy to looking at it yes. after the fact, but. You really can't sit there and look at any decision he made and be like, this was a bad decision. Even starting the two rookies, he, he was ready to pull them right away as soon as soon as they got in trouble. Dylan Lee in game four. He had he had Kyle Wright up quick and fast. How big was Kyle Wright in that game? What, what if Kyle Wright doesn't, doesn't get out of that jam and that gets to a five-nothing game of the first inning? What does that World Series turn into? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> This was as always in baseball and in really any sport that you win a championship, it's always a team effort, but it's just, it's crazy. You look around and you see how every single person on the team had their moment, had, had their role at some point in some capacity throughout the postseason, especially in the world series alone, everybody had that opportunity.
1: How could you not be romantic about baseball? I love that. It's true. I, I mean, it, it, it really did. No, I mean, it felt like a full, like, 100% team World Series to me. Like, everybody played their role, you know, perfectly. It's like some guys faltering, some guys stepping up, you know. Like, you know, Jock, in the beginning of the playoff run, was playing really well. Some of our other guys, Duvall, wasn't. Jock starts to slow, do- slow down, Duval's hotter than hell. When he, by the time the World Series comes around, so yeah, it, it was Rosario.
0: Just... Rosario picked it up all the way through the World Series. He had um, if Riley was down, Freddie was up. If Freddie had a couple bad games, Riley was there to pick it up. Uh Watson and Aussie were tag team, and Darno came in with a couple of big hits late in the World Series. A couple of big homers. So mm-hmm. everybody had had their moment, and. It's just, this is a really, really special one. I, I think every Braves fan is going to enjoy this the entire offseason. Because um, we have five months to say we're, we're world champions going into next year. And they're going to get to raise their banner come the, come the spring. It's going to be a really, really cool moment for the city. Uh, and now kind of the eyes turn to what this offseason. And it's going to be a really big offseason. They've got a lot of huge decisions to make. Uh, What they do with the what they do with the outfield, they all four of those guys, none of them are coming back on contract. So you've got to go out and figure out who you're going to sign from that. You've got Freddie Freeman is entering free agency. Now, I I, everybody uh, both sides have said they want to get a deal done. I still firmly believe they're going to get a deal done, but clearly it's got to happen first. There's a lot of people. Every team in baseball would take Freddie Freeman. And there's a lot of big money teams that need a first baseman, especially a left-handed one, i.e. the Boston Red Sox and New York Yankees. I was going to say the Yankees need a first baseman for the ball. Especially a left-handed bat, too. I mean, they, they traded for Rizzo this year, and Rizzo's done at the end of the uh, – Rizzo's done now on his contract. Um, I, I, Freddie Freeman could go make a lot of money. If Freddie wants to make the most amount of money, he will not go to the I don't think that's what Freddie drives himself for, but if, Fred, if that is what he wanted to do was make the most money, he will not be in Atlanta right next season.
1: I, I'm with you in the agreement that I'd, I don't think we have anything to worry about genuinely because of who Freddie Freeman is and his loyalty to, you know, Atlanta, even when we were absolutely terrible. Um, and just, he doesn't strike me as the guy who's going to be, chasing the Bryce Harper money just to let their career dwindle away like he is. Um, but as you were saying, everybody's got their price.
0: Yeah. Everyone's got their <laughs> and price. And
1: if he's going to get paid 50 million a year over five years for the next five seasons,
0: I don't know. Winning that world, <laughs> Does winning that world series this year make it easier to leave? I'm not saying it does, but. Um, you, you probably, if he wanted to do it, it probably does make it a little bit easier looking at it that way. Cause you're like, I got it done. I
1: actually, I think, I think it's almost the other way around. And like my logic had been like the only way Freddie would leave is if it was kind of like a LeBron thing, like, okay, I need to leave this team if I want to retire and win a championship. I think that now he's won it in Atlanta. It kind of alleviates some of that pressure of like, am I going to be one of the best players ever to ever win a ring? F- which I don't think that happens so much in baseball as it does in other sports, to be honest, because I think, and, and we could debate this. I mean, me and you personally <laughs> wouldn't, because we'll both agree it, but we could debate this with other people. I think baseball is the hardest sport to win a championship in. Yeah, um,
0: It's so hard.
1: But I think for me personally, that would be the only way to be like, okay, I could join another team. And with my addition, they're probably instant contenders.
0: Yeah if he was chasing a ring and, and goes to a big name and, and goes to a star. team, you're, you're right. I mean, you can look at it from both sides. Um, right. And, and, and I, I hear your argument and I think both sides of the coin are, are completely accurate and, and fair. So once again, I really don't think that there's much to much to worry about. Um, the bullpen, they've got a lot of people coming back. You got to figure out what you're going to do on the starting rotation. Do you want, how many starters do you want to go pick up this off season? Um, You've got Drew Smiley, his contract's over. Uh, do you want to go get one guy? Do you want to get a couple guys? Depends on what, how you feel about Soroka going forward. They've got some arbitration guys. Uh, Riley is super two uh, arbitration uh, eligible this year, so they've got a lot of decisions to make. And a lot of a lot of interesting paths that could go down. Do they want to? It it we've been. I would have told you the entire offseason or the entire year that this offseason's biggest thing was going to be Freddie Freeman. Number two was going to be to get a closer. Well, I, I think they got to stick with Will Smith now as that closer. It's kind of hard to take the ball out of the hands of a guy who just closed out a world series. Yeah. I so, have to say. There's a lot of, a lot of good op- options, um, a lot of interesting options. And we have, we have what five months to, to really dive into this, to figure out what they're going to do. I, uh, you know the big changes are going to be. There's a collective bargaining agreement this summer, so there's going to be a lockout. Probably going to be a lockout for baseball. Let's hope that doesn't last too long. That'll, I believe the CBA ends at the end of this month, so that'll start in December. So we'll we'll keep everybody posted on that. But I'm going to guess that there probably won't be too many free agent signings before that because it'll that'll that'll uh, be a little bit of market terminating, uh, terminating. We'll look at it going forward. And obviously, you've got the DH likely coming next year, so big changes around uh, on the horizon in baseball. Mm-hmm. So, cool. yeah, like we're going to talk about this Braves World Series. We're going to talk about this Braves team the entire entire off season. Um, but we'll we'll go ahead and, and move it move it on over to to the other sports of really what we uh, will be you know on the forefront now for the next two, three months, which is, which is getting into football. Um, you look at, you, you have college football and NFL football. Uh, which one do you want to start with? You want to start on the college side or the pros? Yeah, I will start with college. Um, last week you had your first college football playoff rankings come out. And it was interesting to see how the committee started this off this year because you had Alabama, Georgia number one, which we'll go ahead and get that out of the, out of the way. Me and you both agree. Georgia is no doubt heads and tails the number one country the number one team in the country. It's not particularly close right
1: now. Yeah, it's not close. They're far and away better than anybody else so far. Uh, I I think something drastically different would have to change to, to even change my mind. I mean, honestly, even if they had a fluky upset, I'd still think they were the best team.
0: I was going to say, are they beatable? Yeah, they're definitely beatable, but the, they are the best team in the country and nothing's really going to change that aside from some, you know, multiple, uh, star player injuries type thing that would really derail those before we get there. Yeah. So, so they are, they are clear. Number one, they'll remain number one this week, uh, going into it. And then you had Alabama number two. I'm just going to read this off. You had Bama two, Michigan state three, Oregon four, Ohio state five, Cincinnati six, um, Michigan seven, Oklahoma eight. Wake Forest 9 and, and Notre Dame 10 It's kind of is how they had it their first week mm-hmm. I'm really surprised to see Bama there at number two but at the same time I think as much as Alabama is overrated I still think they're the most deserving team at number two especially after this past week of I mean, Oregon has shown that they have flaws. Michigan State just lost. Cincinnati clearly has flaws. Ohio State has shown it has flaws. Oklahoma has shown it has flaws. Wake Forest lost. I I mean, there's hard press to tell me that there's any other team that you could put at number two because the way I look at it is, is there any team uh, other than Alabama you would say could beat everybody else in the top ten? Because I think Alabama is the only team I would say could beat everybody in the top ten.
1: I'm I'm honestly with you. I think. I think it's Alabama, and then if maybe Ohio State or Oklahoma played their absolute best game just because of the talent they have on the teams. But, I mean, obviously Michigan State, no. Um, Oregon, sure, maybe. Cincinnati, definitely not. Michigan, no. Wake Forest, absolutely not. And Notre Dame, no.
0: Yeah, so nobody else there is going to beat everybody else. So I think that it's fair putting Alabama number two, but it, it, and at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter because if Alabama loses one more time throughout the rest of the season, they still got to play Auburn and they still going to play, presumably play Georgia. But if they lose to Auburn, A&M will be, could be in the championship game if they win out. So uh, the West is, is not completely decided yet, but if Bama loses one more time, whether it's now or in the championship game, doesn't matter. They won't make it in at two loss without having that championship next to their name. So that's kind of, that's going to get predetermined the big 10 is going to work itself out between michigan ohio state michigan state like like that will work itself out even with michigan state losing this weekend um they could if they still went out they would still get in Uh, in my opinion i think that the team that wins the big 10 is going to get in uh oregon is holding on for dear life but it's going to be I would be really surprised if they didn't lose again, just the way that they keep playing week over week, they're inviting teams to to beat them and they haven't yet, but I know they don't play the toughest competition, but once again, it's like they've played like crap and you can say the same thing like some, about Cincinnati the last few weeks, they've played terrible. They've got Houston and SMU are decent teams. If they play like the way they have against Navy and Tulsa, they will lose to those teams. Um, yep. I think Cincinnati can still get in because there's, there's going to be mass carnage between now and the end of this month.
1: I I don't know that there's really a chance Cincinnati gets in. The more I've looked, like, yes, they're number six, but think of all the moving pieces and how dynamic this list is about to be over the next month, month and a half. I mean, A&M could presumably get into the college football playoff from 14. If they win the SEC championship, they would jump Cincinnati. Whoever wins, whoever wins the Big Ten championship is going to jump Cincinnati. I mean, Michigan State lost, but they're still right there. Ohio State and Michigan's right there. They'll jump them. I don't think that they're going to leave Oklahoma out over Cincinnati. Um, I mean, if Oklahoma's
0: undefeated, yeah, but what if Oklahoma loses before the end of this? And they easily could. They're going to have to play Oklahoma State at the end of the year on the road, and then they're still going to have to play their championship game. Who's to say that they're not going to lose one or two more times? I mean not me I'm just saying like I'm I'm laying
1: out all these yeah scenarios I mean let's see what else you could even make an argument I don't think it would be right I don't think they're deserving of it as a fan but if Notre Dame wins out do they possibly get a top four bid because they're Notre Dame um it'll be I one mean,
0: loss and they're one just, Cincinnati
1: I know I just I can't imagine like I, I honestly – I kind of took issue with Cincinnati being six because, like, they've lost one game in two seasons. I don't know why they don't give non-Power 5 teams a chance and see what happens. It's like, what's the point of even including them in these rankings if a team like Cincinnati won't make the playoff as it stood today?
0: Agreed. I I mean, at this point, if they don't get in, every Power Five conference should just get up and bail and go create their own own playoff for themselves because clearly they're never going to get in. And if you can't get in, then why are you even bothering to to participate with the other teams? And so I I do think, and the only reason I say that I do think they get in is purely because I think that they're just going to be mass carnage. Now, the only thing that would really screw it up is if the SEC gets two teams in. If the SEC gets two teams in, Cincinnati is really in a world of hurt. But the way I look at it, I in I see it going forward. I think that the SEC probably only gets one because I'm thinking Georgia's going to beat whoever comes out of the West, just the way things stand. I think the Big Ten's going to get one team in. I think Oregon's probably going to lose before the end of this. I think Oklahoma's going to lose before the end of this. And then you're going to have a whole lot of one-loss conferences. The is going to have, at minimum, a one-loss conference champion. And then it's a question of what do you do? You've got – undefeated Cincinnati, and three one-loss conference champions. And, and where do you put that? And that would be the discussion point. And I think that they would get in in that situation. But once again, they're going to have to go out and they're going to have to beat some, some halfway decent teams and play a whole lot better before we get to this because the last couple of weeks they have not played well.
1: No, they haven't. And I agree with everything you said except one, I think there's going to be two teams of the SEC in this this year. I, don't, I think they've positioned it so it's almost impossible, <laughs> honestly. Unless Georgia has a, an absolute meltdown, um, they're going to be in there. And let's say Georgia gets into the SEC championship and they lose to whoever it might be, Alabama, Texas A&M. We've said on this multiple times, hell or high water, the winner of the SEC is going to be in the college football playoff. 100%. So, so even if Alabama falls off the table and Texas A&M wins and they upset Georgia, then you have, you know, maybe Georgia. Will, Georgia would
0: be I don't know, four, whatever. Or four and four and m would yeah. be in there a hundred percent. Even if yeah. losses, they, they beat Bama and Jordan in the same season. Absolutely. You're getting in. Yeah. I just,
1: I don't see a scenario where there's not two teams from the SEC in, in this without Georgia having some sort of mental breakdown, which I don't even know if it's possible, honestly. They could probably try to lose and still win.
0: <laughs> I, that is the thing is it, it really will come down to Georgia in terms of you, do, do they win the SEC championship? Because if they stumble beforehand or, or not, it doesn't matter. But if Georgia wins the SEC championship it's one, it's one SEC team. If Georgia doesn't win, it's two. And then every, and then a lot of dominoes fall into place after that. So it's just an absolutely wild year. And another huge topic that's going to come forward is what do you do with Oregon Ohio state? Because I can tell you right now that if you were going to put those two teams on the same field, I'd tell you that, you know, if they're going to play 10 times, Ohio state's a better team. They're going to win more times, except here's the thing. They played this year and Oregon beat them, but who's playing better now And if you have Ohio State go through and that's their one loss the whole year is Oregon, and Oregon goes through with their one loss being a a, a worse loss to a Stanford team, which team gets in in that case, do you put Oregon or Ohio State in? Because the way they have it set, I would tell you in the way that it's gone in the past, the hotter team, the team that keeps winning those big matchups is going to leapfrog them. And then it's like, what's the point of playing that game in the first place? They say every year, strength of schedule matters, head-to-head matters. And you've got Oregon going to be sitting there with their hands in the hair, hands in the air saying, what the hell we beat Ohio state head to head. How are we not in?
1: And I think that would be justified, honestly. I mean, I, that, that's the one, like, I think the college football playoff is fun and it's fascinating and like, it's, it's just kind of like exciting, I guess is the word and confusing, but like some of the stuff is so subjective that you're just like, okay, really, you know, like, how is Oklahoma ranked eighth? <laughs> that, that didn't make sense to me. I mean, they're, the list kind of goes on and on. But, like, some of it, so much of this, like, I know their, their big thing the first couple of years they were out there was the eye test, right? Yeah. Like, whose eyes? Because I, last time I – like, Condoleezza Rice is, was on the college football playoff committee. She's great. Fantastic. How does that qualify her being secretary <laughs> of state to judge judge football teams? So, it, it to me, it's just – it's it, – it's maddening.
0: I I really think that personally the college football playoff committee should be full of Vegas sports books because those people are the ones they that, always get it right. They are the ones I think who could really tell you who are the best four teams in the country. And, and if that's what you're going for, then that's what you're gonna get from Vegas. Um, but, but you do have all the, and it's always the fact that the fact is that this criteria. Contradicts itself at times because you could sit there on one side and say this team fits this bullet point, and on the very opposite side you could be like, but this team f- uh, fulfills this bullet point, and then it's like, well, which bullet point matters more? And this is the problem with the fourteen playoff. But it's also what is the point? I think of the fourteen playoff is that we're having these conversations. It's not a flawed system. The system was meant to have debate. This was what they wanted. Um, they want, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, this is this is exactly what they want, as much as people hate it. And you know what? They're probably going to get an expanded playoff before this is all said and done with. And we're probably going to go to 12 teams. And the debate's going to be extremely different at 12 teams because instead – but it's really going to be the same because the only difference is you're going to be de- – instead of debating on who's whos three, who's four, you're going to be debating on who is, who's 11, who's 12. And also you're going to be de- debating on seeding a little bit too. And, and mm-hmm. there's to be what seed – and and looking at the bracket that way. So either way, it's still going to work even when they go to an expanded playoff, but this year, like no other, this, this is what this playoff was truly meant to do, which is keep all these different teams in and have so many different fan bases clamoring of why they deserve to get in. And you know what, at the end of the year, I'm telling you there, there's at least going to be one or two really pissed off fan bases.
1: Yes, there is. There absolutely is. But I mean, this is, this is the perfect year. This is the first year it's been like, okay, um, everything's up in the air. Let's see what happens. And that's because, you know, Clemson's not even in it. Yeah. I mean, Ohio State had a really rocky start to the beginning of their season. Oklahoma hasn't looked very prolific. Uh, they've honestly been better since they get bench spent rattler. Um, and then, you know, Alabama loses to AM middle of the season. It's just been it's been a mess all around. There's no like other like you said there's no dominant teams other than georgia and that's why the whole thing got flipped on its ass
0: it's great i can't i mean i can't wait to see how this finishes because i i would be so shocked if there just was not mass carnage before the end of this there's just got to be just because of the way this season has gone it's been this way the whole season um, and you've just you've got teams that still have to play each other michigan state still has to play ohio state and Mich- uh, and they played michigan they still have to play ohio state ohio state still has to play michigan state and michigan before this is over uh, you've got the sec championship before it's over so you've got all these really high uh, high important games for the end of the year and there's going to be slip ups and it's going to be really interesting to see what the committee does week over week we'll we'll see where you know we'll see what happens tomorrow night when it comes out Does Cincinnati drop? Like, what what do they do with these teams that just struggled? Alabama looked like crap against LSU this weekend. It's really not a very good LSU team. You had Michigan State obviously lose to Purdue. How far do they drop? Um, Oregon struggled with not a very good Washington team. Ohio State struggled with Nebraska, um, who has given everybody fits, but they still struggled with them, and you expected them to win by more. Uh, You had, like we said, Cincinnati probably should have lost to Tulsa, in all honesty. Um, and you had Oklahoma sitting at home on a box. So <laughs> it'll be interesting to see. And we're going to have a lot of weeks to debate this. Yeah, yeah, we will. And, and the Heisman is, is up for grabs. Nobody's really walked away with that. And it's really, honestly, it's probably going to be whoever plays the best on these teams down the stretch. Georgia doesn't really have a Heisman contender, although I would tell you that their defensive tackle, I can't remember his name, probably is the best player in the country, but the defensive tackle will never win the Heisman. Uh, he just influences every play, but he'll never actually win the Heisman. So, it, whatever team plays the hottest and has a really good offensive player coming down the stretch here in the last month, that'll probably be your Heisman winner. Whether it's Bryce Young, um, the running back of Michigan State, uh, I think he's strapped to get himself back into it, et cetera.
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I couldn't even venture a guess. I, it's like the first year, I, there's nobody that's like, sticking out to me.
0: And it's just funny because you look at it and there's a whole lot of similarities this season with the college, with college and the pros, you look at the pros and the MVP race and the pros is wide open. And what's even more wide open is the NFL race in general. (laughs) Um, The AFC and the NFC and AFC are both just wide,
1: wide open. Yeah. I mean, it it's like every time somebody points at a team as being the best team, something else happens. Something weird happens to them. You know, like coming into the season, it's like you got the Chiefs, probably your best team. Chiefs suck. Honestly, they suck. <laughs> They're terrible. <laughs> they, they could have lost to a Jordan Love led Packers team yesterday.
0: They should have lost. They got outplayed. Should have lost. Yes. If the yeah. Packers didn't have probably one of the worst special teams game I've ever seen in the NFL, they lose they win that game.
1: Yeah. So there's example. Um, the Bills lost to Jacksonville, who was
0: how? How does that happen? probably
1: unanimous? Yeah, How do, unanim- yeah. How do the, the Bills team. lose to them? Um, the Bucks have been the Bucks have been okay, but the you Bucks wouldn't say that like, solid. But you wouldn't look at them and be like, "This is the best team in the NFL." No. Um, let's see who else.
0: You had the Rams going into last night before Ramp. football and, and probably a lot of people would have said that they were the best team. And a lot of people probably would have said Matt Stafford is your, is a front runner for the MVP and the Titans go out there and make, make them look like child's play the whole night. Um, Absolutely dominated the Rams. Yeah, the Titans start off the year looking terrible, getting blown up by the Cardinals and then looking like crap against the Jets. And then in the last four weeks, they've gone out and beat the bills, chiefs, Colts, and, uh, Rams now. That, not, that's not, you know, some sniff your head at. You've got the, the Cardinals who continue to win. They, they beat a decent 49ers team yesterday quite handily without Kyler Murray, without DeAndre Hopkins, um, and no JJ Watt anymore. So you've got that team is looking good. The Packers looked really good before Aaron Rodgers got COVID and didn't play yesterday, but they looked really good before that.
1: I will say, if the Packers defense plays like they did yesterday, when Aaron comes back, that team's going to be scary. That's going to be a very difficult team to beat because, I mean, that was the best their defense has looked in ages. That being said, the Packers have had some demons. Um, but you know, my only concern with the Cardinals is the injury thing. I mean, like, if it's kind of like when somebody says they're 100, they're never really 100. How much is that hamstring going to bug D hop the rest of the season? You know, Kyler Murray as well. You don't want to have your two best offensive players kind of banged up the rest of the year trying to, you know, make a push through the regular season. And then not only that, you know, three playoff games, maybe four at the end of the year. It's just a lot. And then you lose, you know, DeAndre Hopkins or not DeAndre, J.J. Watt. So those are three of your best players, or if not three of the best players, that are hurt or out for the season.
0: You have the Ravens have looked good at times, have looked mortal at other times. They've had a couple of really huge um, comeback wins that probably should have lost to the Colts on a Monday night football. We're down big to the Vikings yesterday. They came back and won. Um, You have the, the Bengals had looked really good for a couple of weeks and then They lose to the Jets and then they get blown out by the Browns who they've been a Jack Old high team this year, a lot of talent, but Mm -hmm. haven't put it together week over week. It's just, it really is a wild year. And I I cannot remember a year quite like this in football, both in college and especially in the pros where halfway through the season, you could not come away with a clear cut. This is the best team in the, in the NFL. I mean, it changes, but Typically, at this point, you had somebody that you could look at and say, "Yeah, these guys are playing the best." And truly, on a week-to-week basis, I don't know who's going to beat who. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fascinating.
1: It really, I mean, it's like the Jets upsets. Like everything's just been like crazy. Um, you know the the other kind of big news at the Browns camp with the whole OBJ fiasco. Now, yeah, for them it's like just. Um,
0: and then they go out and they drop 40 <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah they they take see that that was always my thing I thought the Browns were better without OBJ last year and I, I think that's kind of solidified and, it, and it's not because OBJ is not an outstanding player because he isn't I just don't think he meshed well for whatever reason on the field with, with Baker and, and Jarvis Landry because you know Baker and him were supposed to be the best but really good buddies Jarvis Landry and him go back to their LSU days in college. And now he's out of the picture. Um, says he wants to go to Seattle if he had to pick. That is intriguing to say the least, because that would be a interesting, pretty ungodly wide receiver core with Lockett, OBJ, DK. Um, so that would be something to keep your eye on. Uh, Saw so the Saints are also in the mix to pick him up along with, um,
0: the Ravens. Interesting. Him with the Ravens would be, I think, a really good combination of somebody that would actually be a go-to receiver for Lamar Jackson, who's passing the ball very well this year. I think that would be a really, really good opportunity for him there. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to try and put that he's going to have this big mm-hmm. impact, but he could have an Antonio Brown type impact to who he goes to, especially if it was a team like the Ravens like Antonio Brown had to the box last year. You- I agree. I think – I that think the when du- they took
1: off. The dude is tremendously talented. The issue I have with him is because of how big his personality is and how much he, like, he wants to be the star of the show, is that he either has to go to a team, A, that has nobody else on that team, like the Jets or the Texans right now, and he can be, like – the guy, the star of the show, he's the only one getting asked big questions in press conferences, or B, he has to go to a team that's got really strong leadership and, frankly, like Seattle or, um, you know, like the Saints or the Ravens where they've got Pete Carroll, um, John Harbaugh, or Sean Payton, who's just not going to put up with it. Yeah. And I think those are the only atmospheres where he succeeds. And I think, you know, Cleveland – Baker's probably. I mean, he Baker is a good leader, but he doesn't have the experience or like the, you know, the rapport to be there and say shut up. You know, yeah. Kevin I, Stephans, I, if baker not that
0: commander-in-chief in chief type of guy, no, he's
1: not Tom Brady, who's going to stick a finger in your face and say, "Hey, I'm the guy. You can get out." You know, yeah. Whereas, I, I truthfully, I know Pete Carroll won it. I know John Harbaugh won it. Vikings and Sean certainly won it. <laughs> um, so it. I think those would any of them would be good landing spots for him. And then outside of that, you know, I think the Bills got tossed around too. I don't know if that's quite as good of a fit. I mean, I, I think Josh Allen's definitely a strong enough leader, but he's very, also still pretty young. Yeah. But I, I just worry not about his talent. The issue with him is always going to be
0: can he stay focused? You know, another team that was really good until yesterday, the Cowboys have looked really solid all year, and then – they go out and get throttled by the Broncos. I mean, not that the Broncos but that, that bad of a team, but I was certainly They're not that good either. Yeah, <laughs> they're not that good either, exactly. They're a middle-of-the-road NFL team, and they got throttled by them.
1: Yeah. I mean, that game shouldn't have even been as close as the score was. I mean,
0: they kind of mailed it in the last the Broncos, quarter and a half. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there, were, there were some garbage-time touchdowns there. So it's just – it's been a really interesting year. Um, there's going to be a lot to a lot to look forward to. I'm curious to see how the 17 game schedule comes into play, um, into especially when it looks at the playoff. And you've only got one bye this year. How that'll come into play? Looking at the playoffs of how much does that one buy really help that team compared to everybody else? You know, it was a little bit different when you had two because most of the time it seemed like one of those two teams on the bye would get into the Super Bowl. And now it's clearly it's going to be a little bit harder because there's only one. But It's just how much does that extra dress come into play, which which you'll really be able to tell. So, um, yeah, it's it's just wild because I I would normally sit there and you know normally on these type of podcasts by this time of year we have some we have a couple teams to talk about and you know previewing future matchups and getting really excited about it. But it's like I have no clue what's going to happen on a week to week basis, which is frankly just as if not way more fun. Yeah. Pretty much. I agree. I think it's almost more fun. So I'm trying to think about what else you've got college basketball starts tomorrow. I can't even believe it. It, I didn't even realize college basketball started tomorrow until earlier today. I was looking at my phone and um, (laughs) I saw, saw somebody said that or saw a tweet about it, that games were coming on tomorrow. And I looked up and I was like, shoot. Yeah. You've got college football tip or college basketball tip-offs tomorrow. (laughs) So it's about to get, you know, you lose baseball season, but I guess you bring it right back into, into basketball season, which is uh, which is good and well. You got hockey going full blown, NBA is back in full blown. So um, mm-hmm. you've got your sports to choose from out there, fans. That's for sure. That is for sure. Um, trying to think of not not too much else has um, has really changed um, outside of that. So. I think at, at that we could kind of leave it you know looking at looking into the- uh off season obviously we'll have uh have a lot of MLB postseason um updates mostly just kind of here and there if there's praise news and then clearly recapping our uh the the college football and nFL slates each week of we start breaking it down into the playoffs for both both of the uh both of the sports and seeing where our uh, teams stand and what what our uh, thoughts are yeah all righty well as uh we left it this way the entire season so we'll do it we'll do it one more time because once again I still can't believe that the Braves are World Series champions it's just it's absolutely outstanding um I'll never forget watching it uh I was in a hotel room by myself in San Diego for work and I still had an absolute blast of everything I could not to get a noise company. but it was good. it was a really good time um But yeah, we'll leave it out there with with Go Braves. Go Braves.